This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Thanks for coming back to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Let's start with football. Let's start with local football and a guy whose name is familiar. His voice is familiar. Bears fans, you're going to love this. We got a few minutes to catch up with a former assistant for both Mike Ditka and Dave Wanstead. The former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, Dave McGinnis, Coach Mack, these days keeping the eyes on the Titans. Man, it's been too long. Thanks for giving me some time today. Dangerous, Dan. It's always great to be on with you. Uh, we, we used to do this quite regularly for the 10 years that I was there in Chicago. And you forgot to mention I was head coach of the Bears for six hours and didn't know it for three. So. <laughs> I want to get to that because we're all hoping for a changing of the guard in Chicago with a new administration. There, there's there's a glimmer of hope for Bears fans who thought there never would be after 25 years of, of missteps. I, I have a get-off-my-lawn approach to many things in my life. I don't like not being able to pay with cash at a ballpark for hot dogs. I'll always be pissed that I have to check out and bag my own groceries. But you know what's great? The National Football League. It gets better every year. The offseason is sometimes as exciting as the fall. Man, it just keeps getting better and better. And am I? Are you seeing the same thing I am? You know, Dan, I, this is my third. I've been in the league thirty-seven straight years, and so when you and I first, you know, met each other when I came to Chicago with Mike Dick in nineteen eighty-six, it was a different league. No free agency, no salary cap. When Mike Ditka hired me, I was the eighth coach on the staff. Now they got twenty-eight or thirty coaches, you know, on the staff. It was just different. It was a different world then. You go back and look at that small building that we won so many games out of and the Bears won a world championship out of there in Lake Forest. It's really amazing. But it's still, it's still as much as the iteration of this league has changed, it's still about the dudes on the field. You've got to be able to have those dudes. And for, you know, for quite a while there, you know, uh, Bill Tobin and his group in the personnel department and clearly Mike Ditka, they put together some real dudes that lasted a while. You can never put another team like that together again because you couldn't keep them together. Ryan Poles has upgraded his front seven with Tremaine Edmonds and, uh, and TJ, the linebacker from Pittsburgh, TJ Edwards. But I, I look at their numbers and I think, okay, we're better. It's hard not to be better, but they don't force fumbles. They, they don't create havoc in the backfield and put quarterbacks on their backside. I'm a little bit skeptical they're not the players some people think they are. If you want to make differences in this league, it's takeaways and splash plays, isn't it? Well, you know, the thing that you have to do defensively, and, of course, that's how I cut my teeth in this league, 
the, the best thing that you can do now, Dan, with the ball coming out as quick as it is and, and with the way offenses have spread the thing out, you've got to be able to put pressure with four people. Because if you're covering with seven, they've got five eligibles, so you're always going to be able to be three over two or four over three, however you want to figure it out, because you've got five eligibles. But the thing that has to happen is, is if you've got to be able to get pressure with four people. You don't necessarily have to get them on the ground all the time, but the way timing is now, especially with the throwing game, is you've got to be able to get them off the spot quick. And so... Uh, all the defenses I've been on since I left the Bears that we've been successful with, we've been able to generate in some form or another pressure with four people because then the coverage advantage goes to you. You start having to bring more people. Look, when Buddy Ryan brought the 46th into the, into, into the league and, 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 and was starting to go five down and cover up the TNTs, people had no idea how to block it. Well, once they figured out how to block it and start to spread it out, then you had to start doing something else. Well, defenses now have to be able to get pressure with four. And, and when I say four, for your listeners, and I know you know this, it takes more than four to do that. You've got to be able to roll people. The teams that I've been on that have been able to do that, Dan, uh, we've had at least seven guys that you could roll in there. Roll seven guys, you know, of the 46 you have active. you got to have seven dudes that you can get pressure with, and you can roll them because it, it, it takes a lot out of you to consistently rush with four, having to lean on the offensive linemen the, the size that they are now. So getting pressure is always, always important. But the main thing is, especially nowadays, I can remember making charts for those great bear defenses in our defensive meeting room saying, you know, we want to hold them. We want to hold them to under 200 yards a game. Well, people have that much in a quarter now. I mean, and hold them to 17 points. That's not the way you play it anymore. You're trying to, you're trying to steal series. You're trying to steal some snaps for your offense. And however you can make them punt, make them punt. If you can take it away, that's even better. You know, you coined a term a few years ago that I fell in love with, and I shared it with my air partner, Matt Spiegel, but it died on the vine. The phrase didn't survive because it required too much explaining. When we talk about (laughs) acquiring free agent talent, I need some more shoebox guys, you once told me. And I said, tell me, what's a shoebox guy? Well, maybe you met a kid at the Combine, or maybe he was a practice squad player, and you put that index card in a shoebox, and when you're looking to fill a need down the road, you pick up the phone and you reach out to that guy and his agent and he becomes a part of your team. Who is the most successful shoebox guy you had in your runs? I had a kid when I came, when I first came, we first went to Arizona from Chicago and we were trying to clean up a pretty good mess there. We had no linebackers. And so, you know, I asked our scouts after the draft, they had taken those magnetic cards off the board, thrown them in the shoebox, you know, by position, just taking them off, clean the board, threw them in the shoebox. I said, hey, anybody have a linebacker? I've got to get a get We don't have numbers for camp. I need a linebacker. And, and so Jim Carmody, who had been the head coach at Southern Miss, was our, our scout down there in the southeast. He said, Coach Mack, I know people are going to tell you this because you had Mike Singletary, so every uh, shorter linebacker that's come up, they're going to say, hey, he's like Singletary. But we've got I got a kid at North Alabama. They've won three national championships in a row. But, you know, he's 5'10", you know, 230 pounds. But uh, just – he makes every tackle. And so I said, all right. So I shook his name out of the shoebox, looked at it, had to go get the tape, Dan. And the tape was one of those continuous real things, all right? 
So I have to watch the halftime, the band. I have to do all that. It's on 16 millimeter. I'm watching all that. And I'm watching this kid, Ronnie McKinnon, number 44. He's making every play. So I call him up. I said, Ronnie, this is, uh, this is Coach Mack with the Arizona Cardinals. I'm the defensive coordinator. Uh, has anybody contacted you? No, sir. I said, well, would you like to sign here as a free agent? And he said, yes, sir. I said, look, all I've got is $1,000 left. I said, I can give you $1,000 to sign. Come in here. He said, Coach, when do I have to be there? This was on a Monday. I said, well, we need you here as soon as possible because camp is going to start Friday. He said, Coach, uh, I've got something to do Thursday. Is it okay if I come in after Thursday? Then I, I'm, I'm thinking, what the hell? You know, you got nowhere else to go. I'm offering you a chance. I said, well, tell me what it is you've got to do. He said, well, I'm, uh, I got a banquet. I'm getting a Harlan Hill Award, which is, you know, is the Heisman for Division Division Three football. I said, hey, go to the banquet. Anyway, he came in, and uh, I, had, I had some really good linebackers at the time. I had Jameer Miller. I had Eric Hill, Seth Joyner. I had some dudes. This kid came in, was a demon on special teams. Long story short, I always kid him. I said, you came into the league driving a Pinto, and you left driving a Mercedes. Because he, 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 spent 12, he had a 12-year career. He's now in the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. So Ronnie Mack McKinnon, that's one of my best shoebox stories ever. Oh, that's a good one. Number 54, if memory serves. Yeah, that's that, that's good stuff. Dave McGinnis with me for a few more minutes. He's got to go scout Titans draft prospects. And the Bears move out early of the top spot. They slide down to number nine. I want to get back into being a Bears fan. A buddy of mine said 10 years ago, you're no fun to watch these guys with. You don't even sound like a Bears fan. I said, you have the luxury of ignorance. I know where the Berries are bodied. Or the bodies are buried, if you want to say it correctly. Uh, and I go back to that day when Ted Phillips stood there and after an hour delay was sweaty and disheveled and said, there's no press conference today, Dave. And that was the beginning of it uh, when there was one after another after another. I'm holding out hope that this thing turns around because this th- there are kids approaching, guys approaching 40 who have never seen a contending team in Chicago. And that's a lot longer than the generation I was with that preceded it. You know what, Dangerous? And people ask me, you know, I do a lot of speaking across the country now because, you know, I've been in the league for a long time. I've had a, I've got a group that wants me to write a book. So I, I'm going to do that. I've got a lot, to, lot into that book all the way from, you know, being the head coach of the Bears for six hours, not knowing it, you know, you know, I mean, all of all of that, all of that, all of that stuff. You know, the whole Pat Tillman story, everything that I've been involved with. But people often ask me when I'm speaking, "How were those years that you were in Chicago, especially those early years?" And I said it was football Camelot. It was football Camelot. It was just, it was, it was magical. And and look, Chicago and the Bears, the dangerous, will always have a very special place in my heart because it gave me a start. But, I mean, it, it, there was nothing like it. There really was nothing like Bears football when I was there involved with it. Even when I go back, we've gone back to play preseason games. We've gone back to play regular season games. And still, Bears fans know the Bears. True Bears fans know the Bears. You know, just even walking into the stadium or walking the field before, or even downtown, you know, you know people, hey, Coach Mack, Coach Mack. They know. They know. And they – Look, it, it is a foundational franchise in the National Football League. The National Football League is better dangerous when the Bears are good. I, I, and you know that. 
Absolutely. And it it just revitalizes Chicago everywhere. I hope there's a little bit in that book, and I can't wait to read it. I'm nearing completion of of my radio autobiography. Chicago sports for 40 years through the eyes of a guy who flapped his gums and got in trouble talking about it. Uh, I hope there's a little piece about uh, how I helped you game plan for the Cowboys in the playoff win. Arizona over Dallas. I, 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 Dangerous. I so you know, not, you gotta get, you gotta tackle Emmett Smith and get your front seven past that Hall of Fame bound offensive line. It helped enormously, didn't you, it? Well, you know what? You, uh, you, you were, you were, you were integral in that game plan. You really, yeah. You, you, you called. Yeah, I, remember, I remember you called me up and said, Coach Mack, I don't know where you are with your game plan, but uh, don't let Emmett score. And and try to and, and and try to keep. Hey, we had him shut out until Dion returned a punt in the fourth quarter, and so all all those things that you gave is the first uh, playoff win the Cardinals had had in fifty one years. Think about that. Wow. Fifty one wow. years. You know, and we got that thing flipped in three years. But then that was when the <laughs> there was no floor on the salary cap, and so without a stadium, you know, which was a big part of what I did when I became a head coach, is helping get a stadium built. They were getting ready to move. But there was no money to spend. We had one year, and then guys wanted money. The way it works, they wouldn't spend it, so then it bottomed back out again. But your game plan for that that playoff game was superb. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> as it was for Chico when he played the Broncos in the Super Bowl a few years ago, I said, you guys got to block Von Miller. That would help. Didn't turn out that way. Cam Newton made a business decision, didn't fall on a fumble, and the Panthers didn't get to take a confetti shower. Last thing, was that game? Was that success of that game plan? I don't know. I've never talked with you about a moment of rec- a moment of epiphany where the skies opened up and you said, "I'm ready. I'm ready to be the head man." Did did that win over Dallas in the postseason? Did that spark anything with you when you were assisting Vince Tobin in Arizona? Sure, it did. Because you know, first of all, you you, you do something like that. And you get in the play, and you take a, a franchise that had not won a playoff game in 51 years. It's going to get gather attention. And then we were playing the Cowboys. We were in the NFC East then. We were going to play the Cowboys in the playoffs in Dallas. So America's team against you know against the Cardinals. You know people gave us no chance. And then to put that 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 group of players that I had, you know that they it was. I mean, I had dudes that could play. I mean. The best coach I've been all my life is I've had dudes. When I hadn't had dudes, I've been a dumbass, Dan. So, you know, I mean, it's just the way it works. Coach Mack, always fun. Have a great day. Enjoy the draft. I hope we can catch up again soon, and I look forward to catching you on Titans Radio when I'm driving back from a fishing trip this coming this coming fall. Hey, dangerous Dan McNeil. I mean, look, you are part, you are part of my Bears history, and I've always appreciated you, brother. See you. There have been a handful of henchmen of the guys who run Chicago's most important five sports properties who have been entertaining or informative over the years. I don't know if there is anybody like Dave McGinnis. Don Cooper, White Sox pitching coach, was a very engaging guy on the radio. He was New Jersey edgy. He pushed back against questions he thought were offensive. He was one of those guys. Mac, on the other hand, 
he was always warm. He was always willing to explain things. And it dated to my days when I was producing radio shows for the late Chet Kopic on the loop. That's when I found Dave McGinnis. Uh, Chet loved him. And at first of my reaction was, man, he's a linebacker. I was 26. He's a linebackers coach. Can we set the bar a little bit higher? He said, call him and listen to the show for five minutes and you'll figure something out. And I, and I did. And God, what a what a run it was. And not just with Copic. It went on when the score was born in 92 and continued in my second uh, run at the score. Matt Spiegel and I in middays enjoyed the hell out of getting that guy on the air. It was it was always fun. And I didn't mean to be so overamped for it because I thought we were recording a little bit later. I misread an electronic message because I always should have my reading glasses on when I look at my phone. And I'm addled as well. Uh, don't know what addled is. It means you experience senior moments more often than you would care to. But uh, I, I enjoyed that. Hope you did too. And I'm, I'm going to be doing more of these interviews on the Danny Mac podcast in the, uh, in the weeks ahead. You know, when a project begins, you're not quite sure what it is. And when I started these back in August... I was, it was strongly suggested that I, I get my feet back on the ground and just, just, just be me, just unload the package, if you will. And then we'll work toward making it more, more of an interview thing down the road. And that's where I've been asked to go. And I am delighted to be doing that because I'm going to be talking with some of, some of the, you know, biggest names, at least along my path in Chicago, and a lot of them will be recognizable to you. Some of them won't be. I'm going to take a few departures in upcoming shows. Next week, for those of you who are fans of the the, the cult television show, Wicked Tuna Outer Banks on National Geographic TV, I'm happy to tell you that the captain of pinwheel young tyler mclaughlin is going to be on one of next week's shows and you might think i'm not a fisherman i don't watch that show it's going to be more than fishing it's going to be an exploration into a genre of sports on television that is just tipping the iceberg outdoors programming has gone to the next level with technology with adopting the drama that goes in in so many reality shows naked and afraid uh, survivor you, you know what they are this show not only encapsulates the drama that incur that that happens among charter boat captains the legitimate anger they have toward each other one at a time allegiances are formed and this weekend in the fifth episode of season 12 tyler mclaughlin and his first mate sister marissa go rogue while the other boats are all kind of consolidating in Chatham pinwheel has thoughts of its own. And it's not just because of the fishing. It's, 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 it's an amazing psychological <laughs> phenomenon, if you will, about how the egos, even of fishermen are, are just colossal and uh, competitive. Anybody ever go on a charter boat, you've seen captains bark at guests they want fish in the boat like they need oxygen. It's what defines them. It's a psychological scar. And most people who choose the stage are filling some sort of hole in their life. I don't know if Tyler will be willing to give it up, but we're going to find out next week. 
so many directions. And also the pain of losing a best friend who also was your, your cohort, your, your right-hand man, first mate Duffy passed away. It wasn't a result of an overdose, but there were episodes that were very compelling in which Tyler just, just couldn't take the absenteeism and he was driven to his knees by his partner's inability to surrender to his addictions. Always leave him laughing, Mac. I also, in the upcoming weeks, want to do more on some things in the television and movie world. I'm hoping to get a hold of William Peterson, who is the creator of the globally popular CSI when it launched in the early aughts and sort of changed the way television was done. And all of a sudden people say, Hey, you know what? We, we got an opportunity to do some things here. And all of a sudden you see programs like the Sopranos, Entourage, The Wire pop up. William also is a Chicagoan, Billy Peterson, who I met in 1995 tailgating at a Northwestern game. And we, uh, we have some stories that may not be suitable for air and they're not just pull my finger. Speaking of pull my finger, I had a conversation with Yurko John Yurkovich recently, my teammate of eight years at ESPN 1000. For those of you who were fans of the Mac Yurko and Harry show, the House of Blues next Friday, Friday the 24th, will host the 25th anniversary party of that radio frequency. And I, I, I'm excited that radio, not the frequency, the, the when it turned to sports programming, 25 years, and I've been invited to to come by and do an hour with, with Yurko and with Carmen DeFalco, his partner, since I got launched in January of 09. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I've had enough time. I, I've been I've been away from that environment so long. It, it is with a real, real warm heart that I go back in. I let go of any resentments and there weren't any toward the air staff when I when I was shown the door. Uh, there really weren't any toward management. It's perceived as such. But Jim Pastor, the GM who fired me, uh, I sat down with a year later and said, you know, um, I have no I have no animosity. I don't agree with what you did. And I didn't even ask you why you did it. But I have a suspicion. It's two things. I was an asshole to Justin Craig and the advertising was down. We were amidst a housing market crash in America and, and, and the big advertisers we had, we had accrued were starting to slip and my salary was not slipping. It was ascending. So I understand it from a business standpoint and enough time has, has, has elapsed to just go back and say it was eight years. It, it wasn't the length of my first run at the score. And there've been a lot of guys who've been at the same station for 25 years, like Dan Bernstein on the score and Boers and Bernstein were partnered for almost 20 years. Um, I was a guy who moved his feet a lot. I was always comfortable and it's, it's not always a, you know, a good thing when somebody shuffles his shoes as frequently as I did. Um, I wasn't afraid to quit a job if I didn't like it. I wasn't as fearful maybe as I should have been after getting, getting kicked to the curb. But I, I am looking forward to seeing Tom Waddle and Mark Silverman who hosts the afternoon show. Jay Cutler is expected to be there at four expected to be there is always, uh, is always noted in capital letters, hopefully, but I'm going to, I'm going to see Yurko and Harry 
hopefully will be well enough to attend. It's it's going to be a fun hour. Um, would have liked to have been more, but you know what? When you're almost 62, you take what you can effing get and you smile and say thank you. And for those of you listeners who are going to be there looking forward to seeing all of you, it was a great time. It was uh, it was different. Uh, that Matt Kirko and Harry show was, uh, was something I did not expect initially to last. And as I mentioned to McGinnis, who's writing a book, I've been retracing a lot of my, we were, I'd forgotten this, the consultant who had advised the radio stations, general manager in the early days, after two years, maybe not even two years said, pull the plug on this thing. We're 18 months in, it was a rocky start. Yurko started slow. That was my fault. I put it in his head that he has to know who every beat writer in town is and read every game story. I forgot why I brought him to begin with. I'm not too proud to admit that. I brought him to be, you know, the resident Vulgarian. I brought him to share, you know, pull my finger and grunts and what it's like to be be a clown because that's what he is. And I, I put his guard up by giving him the wrong advice. And it was Tynowitz who got me to turn after two years and say, you know what, can we have a, can we have a fraternity house? And he was right. And the last six years were much more successful and much more, much more um, enjoyable, frankly, for listeners and for the guys who were, were doing it in the ABC building at 190 North State Street. So looking forward to that. That's pretty much all day. Hoodie and cap, cap and hoodie. Uh, they will be uh, broadcasting from the studios. I talked with David earlier um, this month, and he said uh, he's going to pop over. Looking forward to seeing. He wants to shake hands with listeners as well in the midday show with Yerk and Carmen, Carmen DeFalco. <laughs> I don't know how a dude stays so nice when he's been behind the microphone as long as he has. Some of the toxicity you get just talking about point spreads and pucks is, is it becomes overwhelming sometimes, even for the most positive of guys. And when I hear that dude, I just think, man, I'm glad you're still finding it to, uh, to be so positive, to be so happy. So uh, that's going to be fun. And um, we don't have any NFL news yet today. That's local that I, I feel like I got to share with you. Talk to Dave about the new acquisitions, Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, I I am optimistic. I don't want to paint a negative picture. When I heard who they signed, my my reaction was, they're better. They're better. I'm not trying to be Danny Downer. But as we discussed when Roquan Smith, before Roquan Smith was traded to the Baltimore Ravens, you don't pay $100 million to a tackles machine. The Bears did the right thing moving him along. He's a terrific player, but he didn't create turnovers. He didn't wreck, you know, quarterbacks and cause defensive coordinators sleep during the week. He's a great player who made tackles and still is. And I want him to do well. I like Roquan Smith as a player. Don't know him as a guy, but I'd love to see him succeed. One of ours, if you will, even though I wasn't in possession of a Bears fan club card at the time of that uh, that draft when he came out of Georgia, held out his entire uh, entire training camp as rookie here and uh, rookie year and just started rocking it as soon as he got an, uh, got a chance. But I I don't know if Edmonds I, I just I just don't know if their impact is going to be as significant as it as it feels it will be. And I think there's a danger 
in basing your judgments specifically on highlight reels. Yes, when you when you see video of incoming college players, it's a highlight reel. They look good. They they don't show you the the, the plays when they didn't get out of their three point at the time of the snap. They don't show you missed tackles. They show you guys rocking people's asses and making graceful catches. They show you the good stuff. That's what we know about Tremaine Edmonds. I've not sat down and watched one game tape, or I, I hate using the word tape because tape has been out of, <laughs> no one's used tape in decades. It's video. It's all digitally processed, yet we still refer to it as tape and film. Did you film that? No, but I recorded it. I don't know. I'm, I'm a word guy, but I don't know what Trumaine Edmonds is. is and you know, I, I've seen him make spa- splash plays. That's great. He was hurt a lot last year, so I think it's also a little bit tricky in evaluating where he is right now before the first four, four years of his career. This will be number six. He still was in that window to be hugely impactful. And uh, I think there's reason to be excited, but um, I don't think they're finished by a long shot with their linebacking core. Jack Sanborn going to be the guy he looked like in, in, in spurts last year, the undrafted free agent out of Wisconsin. I, I don't know. I don't know if any of those linebackers are going to be a level linebackers. They're B pluses. The new, the new pair that's a B plus or maybe even a B. I, again, I don't know. It, it's the same thing. And I was talking about this with a buddy the other day. When, when Khalil Mack came to the Bears, he made an immediate splash. It, anybody who watched the opener against Green Bay that Sunday night in the 18th season to lift the lid on the Matt Nagy era, saw a man who destroys opponents. In the first half, he was dancing in the end zone after a 28-yard fumble return. He was sitting on Aaron Rodgers' face. Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth were talking on NBC about, well, I think maybe the Packers should cut their losses, uh, you know, pull Rodgers and come to fight another day tomorrow. The Packers won. The Bears didn't close. The Bears ran out of gas. They weren't as conditioned as they should have been. And that happens regularly because head coaches don't want to risk injuries. Matt Nagy played it safe, and it cost him on opening night. No harm, no foul. You got to protect the product. I understand that. They got they got better as the season wore on. But the splash was huge. But as people were starting to talk about Mac, they were – they were accepting and promulgating the idea he is double teamed on every play. Number one, a chip is not a double team. A chip is an attempt of a running back typically to make contact with a, a pass rusher and then run a route. It may only be a very short little three yard out in the flat when the, you know, in short yardage, but, Sometimes the running backs make such a ridiculously cursory effort. They, they barely brush pads. That's not a double team. That's a chip. Um, he wasn't double teamed more than 50% of the time ever. I watched him. I've looked at game, game film, game tape. And I would want every, you know, almost, but you see going into the third quarter, they start the second half. Boy, look at all the damage he's doing. And man, they're triple teaming him, double teaming him. They send six guys on him. And they show three plays of help. 
One of them is a chip, not a double team. The other two might have been the only time in the game Brian Bulaga, the Packers' left tackle out of Iowa, was not in single coverage. Brian Bulaga, in those games, he was healthy for the Packers, did a better job against Khalil Mack than anybody in the league for the years they were opposite each other, for the years Mack played for the Bears. They trusted Bulaga, Boo, from Crystal Lake, to handle Mac. And most of the time he did, but you see a couple highlights, you hear, oh, he's double teamed. And then you buy in. He's not double teamed on a chip. I get excited. Got to be careful of narratives that are fed when we're really not as educated as we think we are. And, and I listen to guys like Dave McGinnis and I learn things. And I learn terms like shoebox guys. That's a good one. Adam Delavitt from Bet Rivers Podcast. You are the man. Thank you for everything. And thank you for dinner last week after the Clark Kellogg event. One week ago today, Sam Michael is Thanks my for producer. listening to the Back Danny on Monday. Podcast Have a great weekend. On the Bet I'm Rivers Network. And I am Taylor Lights for now.